0: Everybody. welcome back to another episode of Doubler's podcast. This week, my guest is Vanessa Young, who is a harpist, a yoga instructor, and a doula. Welcome, Vanessa.
1: Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for for coming and hanging out. Um, so just to start in the place where we love to start, can you share a little bit about your about your background and about your journey as a musician and a little bit about your education? Sure.
1: Uh, so I'm originally from Wisconsin, um, grew up there, started with harp, um, a little bit later than most people. So I started when I was around age 12, um, but I had played piano prior to that. So it was an easier transition and, uh, you know, fell in love with it and everything wanted to go on to music school. So that's when I headed off to Eastman for um, my bachelor's, which is where I met JG, who you had on the podcast. He's my husband. Um, And then from there, went on to um, my master's at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh um, and then headed out to the West Coast to meet up with JG. Finally, we are a long distance (laughs) that whole time otherwise. Um, So moved out to Los Angeles and I had started a DMA there at um, USC, but then decided but I didn't really want to do the DMA after a year or so there, um, just as there aren't as many opportunities for harp professors to be full-time mm-hmm. professors. So it just didn't make a ton of sense. And that's also where I started to kind of veer off and find these other um, career paths. So Los Angeles is where I did my yoga training, and then that um, JG got the job with the Army Field Band here in Maryland. So we moved out here um, and then got pregnant with our first kiddo. And that's what got me into like birth work and everything, like leading me down the, the job of doula. So that's like a very condensed version.
0: Right. <laughs> I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's so, a lot in there. Um, yeah. Cool. That's great. And so, so it sounds like you were really focused on in your schooling, um, it sounds like you were really focused on harp performance. Um, Did you, were you interested in any sort of secondary paths at that point? Or was that something that happened as you mentioned, when you got to LA?
1: That was more something that happened when I got to LA. I was very performance focused. Um, I mean, I, I learned a little bit of pedagogy, like how to teach the harp and all that, which has come in handy now because I do mostly teaching. Um, But yeah, it was mostly performance. So I did a lot of gigging on the side. Um, I was subbing with Pittsburgh Symphony when I was there, um, since my teacher plays. Uh, and then, yeah, and then Los Angeles did a lot of gigging. I got to go over to China for a little bit and um, do some things more in the like TV movie scene uh, business there. Um, but it wasn't really until... Los Angeles night, I started doing my yoga training because, um, JG went off to his basic training and Mm. I wanted something to keep myself even busier while he was gone. And yoga actually helped a lot with my performance anxiety, which is part of what got me into it. So, um, I had already been practicing for a while and it was something I wanted to do eventually. Um, but that led me to do
0: that and kind of, you know,
1: everything else sort of snowballed into. Yeah.
0: Of that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned that, that your sort of segue into yoga was, was based a little bit in performance anxiety. Cause I know quite a few musicians have found yoga is so helpful for, for addressing that. So when did you start practicing? Was that something that started while you were in school?
1: Yes, Um, I started with the usual like DVD thing. I feel like I'm aging myself when I was in college. And then um, in grad school, I there was a a yoga studio right around uh, the corner from my apartment. Um, So I would go there often. And that's when I it was very different than, you know, a DVD and
0: a dorm room.
1: Right. So that, you know, I don't know, actually seemed to have helped give me the tools and such to use it for performance anxiety. And I was also a runner, so um, it helped, you know, kind of strengthen and um, complement that and everything.
0: So, yeah, yeah, it's a great complementary thing to running, especially. Um, yeah. So it sounds like once you got to L.A., that was really when um, – you started gigging quite a bit. Can you speak a little bit more to what you were up to in the TV and movie scene?
1: Sure. Um, so yeah, I didn't do like a ton, but I was working with some of the, the student composers at USC and they would do different recordings that they would submit to, um, to different I guess what's the word I'm looking for, like movie (laughs) scores eventually, like when they're trying to find composers and that sort of thing. Right. Okay. Um, So there was one particular composer who really liked my playing. So I did a lot of the recordings for him and he now does more, I think more like recordings in in the movie scenes now. Um, I played an episode of one of the, um, cooking shows that chef Ramsey has oh, cool. they, they needed a harpist for this like wedding scene and all of that so um I got to do that uh which was interesting mm-hmm. and very different and then a lot of weddings and such and then I was also in a couple of different ensembles and orchestras which one of those was the one that went over to tour in China for about a month or so
0: oh cool so, that must have been interesting
1: Yes, that was very interesting. It was um, especially because I didn't travel with my harp, so I had to go based on whatever was available when we got there. Oh, wow. So there were a few different cities that didn't have harps, and uh, my favorite story from that tour was the one that we almost, because of some weather conditions, almost didn't make it in time for the like downbeat of the show, oh, but wow. we. We got there, and when we arrived, there wasn't a harp, and we were told that there would be a harp there, and um, there was one particular piece that had a huge harp cadenza and, like, pretty significant harp part, Um, and a few moments before or right as they started, they had a harp, like, that showed up, (laughs) and I had no idea if it would be in tune, and they... The stage director just went ahead and, like, put it out on the stage, and I sat down, and um, I was able to come and write my cadenza, and it happened to be in tune.
0: So that was... Oh, my God. (laughs) That's terrifying.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit terrifying, a little (laughs) exhilarating at the same time.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not like the horn where you're like, oh, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little out of tune. I can move my hand around. That's just, you've got a string and that's it. Wow. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. So, wow. And I did some, like, auditioning and such once we came um, to Maryland. And I did play with, I was principal of um, Loudoun Symphony in Virginia for a while. But that commute just got a little bit too much once we had more than one kiddo. So, Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. I would imagine the freeway Philharmonic yeah. gets, gets a little, gets to be a bit much those commutes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. So obviously, you know, right now, probably not, but, um, have you yeah. been, have you been freelancing also since you've been in Maryland still, or are there any interesting projects that you've, that you've been part of so far?
1: Yes. Um, So I I have been, you know, I was going down to Virginia, I play often with the University of Maryland often needs some harpists because they don't have a huge like harp program as much there. So, um, or I shouldn't say don't have a huge harp program. They have a great professor and everything, but, um, they don't always have enough harp students to cover the parts and all that. Yeah. Um, so I help out with that sometimes. But, uh, aside of that, there's usually like the busiest time of year is the usual, um, you know, holiday season leading up to December. So December is yeah. usually packed for me. Um, I usually have variety of holiday concerts and such. So um, I play with a couple different like choirs around that time too. Um, but that was something fun during this whole pandemic thing. I did have one Christmas gig, <laughs> one holiday right. gig um, that was all virtual. So that was a really fun project that I – um, was hired for to play Ceremony of Carols, um, so I got to do that, and we it was broadcast on YouTube, and it was fun, you know, getting to record and put yeah. that together. A very different for me to do it than like in a live performance setting. Right. So. Yeah,
0: yeah it is a lot different. Although yeah. you have the advantage of being able to wear a mask and play at the same time. Which, yes. Yes. Which is kind of exactly. nice. Yeah. I mean. Just, <laughs> technically brass players can do that but I have to say I did it it's not my favorite thing it's not the most comfortable thing in the world but you know what are you gonna do exactly yeah yeah well that's great that's cool that you've been able to be part of things I mean even you know all things considered with the pandemic it's being able to be part of something that's new and different and interesting for you to to participate in that's that's really awesome um Cool. So so we've talked a little bit about how you um made your way towards yoga and how there was a little bit of a segue from your music career um into your interest in yoga. So what has that journey looked like for you? It sounds like you were certified in LA and then you've continued mm-hmm. from there?
1: Yes. So I was certified in LA and then when we moved here, um I managed a studio for a little while. Um, just to kind of get my foot in the door a little bit there um, and something that was a little more consistent since, you know, I was new to the music scene and um, East coast is very different music scene than the West coast. So figuring out connections (laughs) with that. um, So it took a little bit of time uh, to kind of Of build all of those connections. So I was doing more of that and then started teaching a few months into um, managing, the yoga studio. So that sort of led me to um, a couple of different yoga jobs. So for a while before our first child, I was teaching um, quite a bit. I can't remember the exact number of classes a week, uh, but I was teaching at a gym. And then I want to say at that time, two different studios as well. Um, So fairly busy with that. And then the gigging started to pick up About six months or so into living here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was, (laughs) um, that definitely kept me busy, but I have scaled back a little bit um, since. Well, since the pandemic and also since having children. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Um, So right now with the pandemic and everything, I I decided to step away from teaching at uh, the gym that I was teaching at. So now I teach at a yoga studio that um, also is... It's half yoga and then the other half of, um, it's a couple that owns the studio. The wife owns the yoga studio portion and the husband is um, a chiropractor. So it has like chiropractic and acupuncture and other healing oh, modalities cool. too. So, yeah. Oh,
0: that's, that's really nice. awesome. So mm-hmm. there's sort of a combined, it's all in the same facility type of thing?
1: Yes. Yeah. So it's that's given great. me a chance to bring in kind of all my different <laughs> um, interests and passion. So I've brought the harp in and play. Cause that's something I started doing in Los Angeles was playing harp for um, yoga classes and yoga retreats. Oh. Um, so I started doing that. And then when I moved here, I would offer a special workshop where I would do like a restorative yoga and play at the same time. Um, so it's been fun to, be able to link up with some of the other practitioners so doing like acupuncture and harp um and then with the doula side of things um I was also offering like a, a yoga-based childbirth class mm-hmm. and bringing in the chiropractor for that and um so it's kind of tying all of them together
0: <laughs> that's so cool how did you get involved I have never heard of harp in yoga class, but that's something I'm very interested in because I love the harp and I love yoga so can you <laughs> can you speak a little more about about how you got involved with that
1: sure it it happened just with a, a yoga teacher whose class I used to take often in Los Angeles, and then she found out that I was a harpist and she's like, You have to come play for my class. So she offered these workshops. Um, Jennifer Pastel, she wrote the book on being human. Um, so she's well known in the, in the yoga community now. Um, but she had me come in and play for her on being human workshop that she offered before she had written the book and everything. So I would come in and play the harp for that. And uh, we kind of teamed up that way. And she also offered retreats. So she had me come up um, for one of her retreats uh, in California for that. So that's what sort of, she sort of nudged me into that. yeah. (laughs) And that gave me the practice of how to navigate like playing for a yoga class because I had to experiment with like, hey, what music is, is good for what parts of the class and what the different, you know, they're all different types of yoga. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you generally play, I mean, what do you play? Do you improvise? Do you play existing pieces? Like what sort of repertoire would you play in that situation?
1: Um, Some improv. Oh, I can't talk, improvisation, <laughs> um, some improvisation. But uh, otherwise, I would just pull up my gig book and Mm -hmm. some things. um, It really depends on the teacher that I'm working with, because every teacher has their own style and feel that they have for what they like musically to complement their class and their style of teaching. Mm -hmm. So um, like that particular Yoga teacher in Los Angeles really liked the Beatles, so sometimes I would do different rendi- renditions of the Beatles tunes and um, things like that. But yeah, it, it really depended on who was teaching. So
0: yeah, that's so cool. So would you try to would you try to customize your your playlist, if you will, um, based on you know the moments of the class that were going to be more intense? Did you collaborate with the teacher beforehand and know like what the sequence was going to be?
1: Not really. (laughs) I would just sort of have a general idea. Mm -hmm. um, And having taught and the more that I've taught yoga, the more that I've played harp, like the more I'm able to kind of go with the flow Mm -hmm. of that. Uh, But it would I mean, the teacher would let me know if it was something like restorative yoga or Yin yoga, where it was more holding the pose supportively um, because that's going to be more like calm, soothing (laughs) um, heart music versus the more upbeat um, music. So, yeah, so I I would sort of build it, you know, based on how the class was. So if they were getting them moving and sweating and all that, I would have more upbeat piece. And then I always have pretty much the same few things for Shavasana at the end of the practice. So,
0: yeah, (laughs) that's so cool. I really want to go to yoga harp class. That sounds like so much fun. That's so great. That's great. Cool. So it sounds like, uh, it sounds like, yeah, that was a really organic sort of pairing. Um, and that you weren't necessarily seeking out any kind of secondary thing, but it was just something that sort of organically grew out of, out of your interests. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That's so cool. And so, um, you have three children.
1: Yes. 30. Okay.
0: Good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to give you an extra one. I wasn't sure if it was two or three. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, so it sounds like as um, it sounds like as you, I don't know how you would phrase that, acquired more that <laughs> that the uh, that the birthing process also became of interest, and is that what led you into into your work as a doula?
1: Yes, it did. So when I was pregnant with our first, I was taking a lot of prenatal yoga classes and um, I did a prenatal yoga teacher training during that time. We did a yoga birthing class and all of that. Um, And then he um he ended my, our first ended up being born early
0: mm-hmm. prematurely,
1: as kind of like a surprise to all of us <laughs> unexpected um but it still was a very powerful birthing experience, even though it wasn't exactly how I had you know envisioned or planned in some ways right um and I felt like a big piece of that was because of everything I learned up until that point and learning how to really cultivate and create a very supportive birth team. Um, And so I had a doula, um, I had a midwife and all of that. And with their um, support, I was able to have that very like magical, powerful birth um, in an otherwise very stressful sort of situation of having baby be born early. Right. Um, so with that, I realized like how important that support was and I wanted to be able to provide that for others. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, motherhood and all that got caught up in that and then right. I got pregnant with our second all of our kids are about two years apart. So um after our second um I think she was maybe six months or so is when I decided to finally go the route of, um, doula training. And Mm. that was partially because it's all connected (laughs) because, um, I ended up being able to have her at a birth center and all that. And the midwife who, um, caught her, we found out actually lives down the street from us and, um, happened to have, This small folk harp and had always wanted to learn how to play the harp. So I ended up teaching her um, about starting around like three months or so after having Oriana and uh, we became friends. And so we had this like equal passion for me teaching her a harp and she was sort of mentoring me and birth work and all of that. So that's how that organically
0: unfolded. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of uh what's the word? Serendipitous connections? That's, yes. Yeah. That's very cool. So <laughs> just in case um because I just realized I'm familiar with the word doula, but could you explain a little bit what a doula is and what, what they do and what their role is on the birth team? Sure,
1: Yes. So um, a doula is not a midwife (laughs) or a medical professional. So I have no like medical background. um, So I can't do like any of the medical support or make any of those decisions for clients. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically doula means a, um, a support person. Um, So, I explain my role as I am supporting um emotionally physically mentally the birthing person and or their partner if they mm-hmm. have a partner present. So um that's like the very <laughs> abbreviated version of what a doula does, um, because it looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically it means that I meet with the birthing person family. Um, before we work on like a birth plan, I get to learn more, like what they really are envisioning for their birth, understanding that birth goes the way birth goes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I'm on call, which is similar to a midwife, um, or an OB. So once they, Get to term once I get to 37 weeks, then I'm on 24 seven on call, mm. um, which is was very new to us and learning how to navigate that, especially with having kids and yeah. you know JG working and all that. So yeah, um, yeah. But yes, so that and then, you know, births also because there is no, they're not predictable. Um, In addition to being uncalled, it's not really predictable how long I'll be with a client too. So, right. I've had some where I will be with them for a couple of hours and then I've had others where I've been with them for up to 30 hours. So wow. it really, you know, depends.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so when you've mentioned a birth plan, um, what exactly does that mean for, I have not given birth, so I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what a birth plan would look like. Like, What, is that, what does that plan look like? What does that mean?
1: Uh, so it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, because some people like to have more details in it. Some do not, such as for myself. I do not like to have a written out plan. It's more of like a verbal communication Mm -hmm. with my team. Um, But it, it can look like what sort of provider you'd want. So is it, you know, a midwife based or, um, an OBGYN based Mm -hmm. an obstetrician, um, in terms of care, for the medical side of things, um, and then where to give birth. So as it can be a hospital or a birth center or a home birth. Um, looking at those options. Are there certain things that the birthing person really wants, like, do they really want a water birth or do they really want the ability to move around when they're in labor? Um, do they want, um, assistance for, um, pain management, such as like an epidural Mm. or other, um, supports that way. So it can get down to real details depending on the person and the family, or Mm -hmm. it can be more broad with what they want. Um, and I also discuss like what sorts of support they like because some people, I um, mean, it may change too. might be different because especially if they're a first time, mm-hmm. um, parent, they may not know exactly what they're looking for because they've never given birth before. Right. Um, so after the first meeting, it's a little bit more predictable what you <laughs> like, what you don't like. So, right. um, you know, by the end of it, Jade, By the third one, JG knew, like, okay, I got to brush my teeth. I got to not talk a lot. (laughs) Right. I know my role here. Right. Exactly. Um, But, yes, so some people really like hands-on support Mm -hmm. um, or I'm, like, squeezing hips, rubbing backs, all of that. And some people really don't want the hands-on support. Some people really want silence. Um, others want the verbal support and Mm -hmm. encouragement during labor. So, um, learning all of those things, it's a lot of getting to know them before Mm -hmm. so that, um, you know, I can be the best support. And if they have a partner, I'm not taking over the role of the partner. It's more so of me learning from the partner and how to support the birthing person and how to support the partner as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, usually it ends up being the partner that's like, oh my goodness, everybody needs to hire a doula afterwards because <laughs> they realize how needed it is. Because if it's a long labor that my role allows them to get like a nap, Mm -hmm. or allows them to go grab a coffee or get food. Um, those sorts of things, or, you know, some partners will freeze in the moment of like, I don't know what to do because this is new. And this is the person I love who is, you know, it seems to be in discomfort or pain. Mm -hmm. Um, so guiding them in ways to support as well without like taking over their role.
0: Right. Right. Well, and it sounds like Um, in a way it sounds like you're in a coach role where you're kind of coaching everybody and, and saying like, we can do this. And I'm sure that you're probably offering perspective on like, this is normal. Like, you don't need to be alarmed by these things that are happening, especially for first time people who are, you know, like you said, haven't experienced it before and aren't necessarily sure what to expect. I'm sure you can read all the things and still not know (laughs) what to expect.
1: Oh yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And there's still things that come up and surprise me because you know I've only had my experiences both as mm-hmm. a birthing person and as a doula, um, but every single one is different. So, yeah, yeah
0: I'm sure. So, how <laughs> yeah. does the doula role um, work in tandem with the midwife role? So, is a midwife more of a oh, more of the medical side? I think you mentioned.
1: Yes, it sort of depends on the midwife. And their role, and it also depends on if they are working in the hospital setting um, or if they're working on their own um, through their own practice as a home birth midwife versus a birth center where maybe they're working with a team of midwives. So, it looks very different, and it also looks different in terms of, like, what their freedoms are to mm-hmm. do and support clients um, or patients. So, yeah, it I don't know, like, how much to <laughs> share because it's different for each midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it – I – I would say in my experience, those Mm -hmm. in a birth center or a home birth sort of merge the role of a medical professional and a doula. So it's sort of like having almost two doulas there if you have a doula um, because they are that emotional support. Um, Especially if it's a home birth, it's a consistent person. Mm -hmm. So birth center or hospital birth, it's a group of um, midwives or just like in the hospital, a group of OBs and they cycle through who's on call. So you don't know who's going to pick up the phone when you're in labor. Right. Um, But if you have a home birth midwife, you'll know that's the person you're going to get for your birth. So that sort of consistency helps to build that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But they are the ones who are able to like you know track to see how dilated the birthing person is to see how far they are along in labor. Mm-hmm. Um, not that those two always go hand in hand, um, right. but you know some people like to know so. That those sorts of things. And if something were to come up, they have the medical privileges to administer certain medications. Mm -hmm. Um, They have the medical privileges to know, um, okay, this is something that needs a bit more care than what we can provide. If we're at home or birth center, we need to move to the hospital Mm -hmm. setting and have the connections there to be able to pass off their patient to Um, the L&D labor and delivery at the hospital. Right. So um, that's kind of a very generalized gist of what, (laughs) without getting too far in the weeds of the jargon. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting because, yeah, I mean, as someone, again, who has not given birth um, (laughs) and being born and having siblings that were born in like the early 90s, I had never heard of a doula until I had friends who – who had babies. Um, yeah. And so that was a little bit of a new concept and, and even a midwife, I thought that was an old fashioned sort of term, um, <laughs> for something that didn't really exist anymore. So it's really interesting to learn about this whole world. It's really, that's very cool. And so, um, it sounds like, you know, your personal experiences is, is your personal experiences are what led you, um, into this field and so um do you find yourself do you find any skills that you acquired as a musician or as a teacher um that translate Mm -hmm. over into this work that you do as a doula
1: yes absolutely a lot of it um and actually interestingly many um many of the midwives i know come from the arts (laughs) as well like the midwife who um was the one to catch uh, my last two babies. Um, she came from a theater background before becoming a midwife. So it. I think there's mm-hmm. definitely a connection there. Um, and I think yeah. it's being able to notice and being really in tune to different nuances that you have to be in music um, is helps to be able to read and pick up on those nuances that are not verbal mm-hmm. in birth. Um, and to be really observant, um, which is a skill, again, in music. Um, and then the like educational piece of it, too, is learning how to teach music has helped me be able to teach like about birth and to be able to support my clients in that way. So um, supporting them in you know, if something comes up in labor or whatnot that they're like, what does that mean? What does this mean? I, I'm able to educate and explain to them and know how to do that in a, a way that isn't looking down on them in mm-hmm. any way or whatnot, more as a peer to peer, similar to what you would find in a private lesson <laughs> teaching. So right. I think that sort of relationship has helped. Um for sure, with that and then uh although you know musicians aren't necessarily always on call we do have <laughs> somewhat odd hours and babies really love to be born in the middle of the night so um you know like getting used to being at rehearsals until 11 at night has helped mm-hmm. <laughs> too with that and being able to think quickly on your feet um and you know with music it's like If you get a gig and you have to be able to play this big piece in a couple of days, you know how to prepare for that. Um, And also, as we know, with music, it's not predictable at all. Something always is, you know, someone misses a note here or something goes awry there. Like You have to adjust in real time to that. And I think that has been the biggest skill that's transferred from music over to
0: the birth work. Right. Yeah, because the performance does not always go as expected. Right. (laughs) Right. I'm sure that's (laughs) exactly super true when you're talking about people giving birth. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Although
1: thankfully there isn't like, you know, a whole audience of people, hopefully so.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Just the audience, the very small, it's a very intimate concert. Right. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: It's more of a chamber music situation. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, that's so interesting. Wow. That's really cool. And so you mentioned that you've, you've come across quite a few people who are also in the arts um, as a doula. Mm -hmm. Do you find That I mean, obviously I'm drawing from a biased sample pool because most of the (laughs) yoga teachers that I know are musicians and I know them because they're musicians. Um, But do you find that that's true in the yoga world as well?
1: Yes, yeah. There are quite a few um, uh, yoga instructors who are prenatal yoga instructors who often are doulas as well. Mm. Um, And then, of course, there's that crossover between music and yoga as well. Um, But also, you know, I haven't found... As many, I'm trying to think. As many doulas who come from a music background, um, just a g- general arts background. Mm-hmm. So whether that's theater or like writing or whatnot, um, but definitely with the yoga and the doula, those have gone sort of hand in hand. I found so.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. It seems like there's a lot of complementary skills, and yes, and it makes sense that arts people would be you know, would be moving into the doula work. Cause I guess in the arts, we have to be, we have to be in touch with our feelings a little bit more than the average person. <laughs> so we might be more comfortable handling that. Um, right. cool. Um, do you have any, so it's just sort of a wrap up. Do you have any advice for, um, for other musicians who might be looking to move, whether specifically into the yoga or the birthing fields that you've mentioned, or just in general, do you have any advice for folks searching for that second pursuit?
1: Uh, yes. (laughs) I'm trying to think of like how much to condense into this time. Um, We've got plenty of time. Okay. Um, no, in terms of yoga, if there is, um, a musician who wants to get into yoga, the biggest thing is to make sure that it is whatever training that you find is culturally responsive. Um, so, Another piece, this is not a career piece, but a passion of mine is um, I, I do some like activism work and that sort of stuff. And so I find that it is really important um, to make sure that the training is there. Are so many trainings that are mm-hmm. mostly thin white women, <laughs> which does not represent one where yoga came from and right. two, what yoga is all about. Mm-hmm. So um, that is really important and crucial to find. Um, And they're, they're out there. Um, Susanna, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm going to say her last name correctly, Bartaki is a great resource um, for that. She talks about that a lot um, as it's part of her culture. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's one piece and also making sure just like with music that you resonate with the people who are doing the training Because very similar to music, it's a whole journey and it will like take you to the very bottom (laughs) of of everything. You know, there are moments where you'll be in tears, just like in lessons, right? (laughs) Some Mm -hmm. moments, I think we've all been there Um, and then they're going to be like, building up from that too so you want to make sure that you really connect with the people you're going to be working with and learning from yeah um so that's one big piece and then uh, yeah just I think in general well I guess because you asked about the birth work stuff um so the birth work I think just finding and connecting with those in the birth world in the community mm-hmm. um oftentimes doulas and midwives are like overworked in some ways are very hard to kind of track down, but if you can find them, um, you know, finding those connections and seeing if you can shadow, um, then all of that. So that is a, another important piece and, and getting to know the industry with that too, because there's, um, with any industry there, there's a lot that comes with, with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's some issues with, um, you know, bigger agencies and such and the way that they function. So um, you know, learning all about that and you can really get to know that through those in the community. Again, similar to like gigging, right? Right. That's how we learn like, okay, which contractors to avoid, which ones to Mm -hmm. um be are okay to work with. So all of that. And then in general, I would just say like really being creative and thinking outside the box, because I think if I didn't go with my intuition and my passions of these other things I enjoy doing, um, I may not have meandered into these other careers too. Um, So really, I think especially I think the pandemic has taught all of us musicians that we can't guarantee that we're going to be able to have that performance or the way that we always do music. So mm-hmm. really thinking beyond this box of performing or that this is the only thing we can do. There's so many options when we open up um, that creativity to explore other ways and, you know, other ways to bring music in like that, bringing harp into a yoga class. Like there may be a different opportunity to do something like that, uh, as well with music. So
0: yeah. Finding new ways to marry the things that you're interested in.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's great advice and that's a great place to, to end. So thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure, pleasure to chat with you.
1: Thank you, Erin. I enjoyed it.